So let's start in Romans 5, verses 12 through 15. I'm going to start here. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. You could just, you could talk for four hours on that. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. It's talking about the time from Genesis to when the law was given. Verse 14, nevertheless, death's reign, death still reigned as a result of sin. Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Capture that who's a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? If you were to go to our website and you were to look at ANC beliefs, there would be a list of things that we just believe are critical. If you were to go to our partner class, you would see there are the things that we think are just foundational to our faith. And they're the things that are constant across all evangelical Christianity, okay? It's not something we made up. Um, but there are beliefs, and, and we've been working through them. The first is, is that we believe in the authority of the Bible, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. The next is that we believe that God is one in three, and Matthew did an amazing job last week teaching on the Trinity. If you didn't hear it, go online. and it's a, it's, it's, There's a podcast on there that you can hear. And today, we want to talk about that third statement on our website that simply says this, salvation is found through Jesus Christ. And the funny thing is, is it seems like in today's society and, and, and the religions and all the things that are going on, when you make that statement, it seems politically incorrect to be so narrow-minded, <laughs> That's the accusation. It's like, well, how can you be, you know, all past all these things? And yet, the reality is, when we truly dig into God's word, what we will find is that it's the exact opposite of that. That if you understand the theology truly that goes into it, you would understand that not only is it necessary, but it's the only way, and it's the only way that the net could be completely cast out to all men. And that's what we're going to discover today. So today, the best of our ability, we're going to discuss this. It's truly, we're going to find that it's a cause and effect scenario where we're going to start then as the end, go back to the beginning, then land in the middle, looking at the what, the why, and then the who. So let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. I don't think that's on your outline, but I'll just, I'll just read this. In Revelation 2, it's uh, the very first judgment going on in Revelation is the judgment of the church. As a pastor, that's scary because our, the church will be judged, not just individuals, but the church will be judged. And, and the church of Ephesus was known as one of the most generous churches that just did things right and just constantly gave away and constantly did things that were right. And the beginning of this chapter begins to say and give them praise for all of these things. And then verse four kind of hits them like an uppercut and it says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. First love being Jesus. You've forsaken Jesus. Verse 5, remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent, which just means to turn around and to go literally the opposite direction. Okay? Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And the lampstand is representing God's favor. Okay? God's hand. I'll remove it from you. So here's a church that seems to be doing everything right, yet stopped loving Jesus, and consequently, he removed his favor. So the question is, how do we make sure that we do not become a church that does the same?
What is it that will ensure a growing love for Jesus? And here's the thing I think is important. What does this have to do with salvation? I believe that the key in maintaining God's favor in the church is the same key in understanding the what, the why, and the who of salvation. It has a lot to do with love. Luke 7, Jesus teaches that if we're forgiven much, we will love much. You ever heard that? But if we are forgiven little, that we will love little, okay? In other words, and this is your first point there that you could fill out if you're following in the outline. In other words, if our understanding of our personal sinfulness is great, we will greatly love the one who has forgiven us. But if our understanding of our own sinfulness is little, then we will love little. And the key lies in the understanding of our depravity, of our sinfulness. Doesn't, isn't that, doesn't that resonate with you? That if, if, if you've done something against someone, or maybe someone has done something generous for you, you just instantly, it triggers something in your heart. You ever notice that? Trigger something in your heart where you want to do something for them. And it's not a force. It's you, you're almost looking for that opportunity to express your appreciation somehow. You're looking for that opportunity, that moment to, to pay that back. It's just this natural thing that we're built with that when we're forgiven much, we love much. And, and what it's talking about here in the key lies in the understanding of our depravity or our understanding of our depravity, our sinfulness before God not before man. And that's one of the things we get stuck, up, stuck on a lot as, as people. Do you ever do that? Well, my sin's not as bad as that guy, you know? That's real easy. If you ever want to feel good about yourself, go compare yourself to other people, you know? It's easy to do sometimes. Um, and then sometimes it's bad, but it's the wrong thing. And, and really what it is, is it's a lie. So this is a, a little insight to what we can learn from Revelation. Let's go back now then to uh, Genesis chapter 1, with the hopes of understanding this condition. We need to understand our sinfulness to understand uh, how much we are forgiven in order to uh, love Jesus, then we need to understand where we are with, without him. So let's go back, and we're going to take it. A, a, a good friend of mine uh, taught on this passage before, and he took on it, and he said, probably one of the key things we could do is look at three uh, relationships of man to kind of measure where we are at the very beginning. All right, and what, what he called it, all right, is to look at authentic man as God created us, authentic man before the fall, okay, when everything was just groovy <laughs> and Adam was just hanging out with God and he was naked and he didn't even know it and he just had everything. He could walk around with the snakes and the thorns and everything and nothing was going, everything was just groovy with God, authentic man. We're going to look at three different kinds. Look on the outline. There's a one, two, and a three throughout it. There's three different, uh, uh, I guess, phases of man that, that we want to look at. Three different conditions of man. The first is authentic man. The next one is fallen man or sinful man. And the next one is reconciled man. All right? And we're going to look at how you go from one to the other to the next. Because that truly is what salvation is all about okay so let's look at genesis chapter 1 verse 26 it says then god said and matthew taught on this last week this scripture let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish 
of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, verse 27. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. So in Genesis 1, we see that authentic man had God-given qualities and attributes before sin changed it. I think this is kind of where you begin to get some weird cults and some weird teaching on stuff. If you just keep it there, where we're given kind of godly attributes made in the image of God, you can go all kinds of places with that if you forget about the sin. (laughs) And so, but this is authentic man. This is where we were. And primarily, authentic man was defined by three significant relationships. And so here's the next point. Authentic man was created in God's image. Let's not forget that. Okay, that's a very real thing. Because in order to f- understand how far you've fallen, you've got to understand where you started. Authentic man was created in God's image and was at peace with God. He was at peace with others, mankind, womankind, and at peace with creation. This was the condition of the world. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He's just like saying, go for it, guys. This is just, this is yours. Have fun. Rule over the fish of the sea and the earth and over the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. I have a friend who teaches this and says that it's like, if you, if you see the everys on there, every this, every that, everything, it's like God is singing over his creation. It's like he's like, this is good stuff. And he's just, take it, it's yours, it's awesome. Authentic man. So the thought there is authentic man lived in perfect relationship with God. Okay. He was blessed and he was given everything. This is where authentic man was. Yet the original sin changed everything. Genesis chapter 2 or 16 through 17. This is one of the hardest things to figure out for me personally. Maybe you got it mastered, but this is one of the hardest things for me to figure out. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded them saying, after he said, I'm gonna give you everything, he said, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And I look at that and you think, why would God do something like that? Why would he... You know, he wants to give us everything, and then it just kind of seems incongruent that he would say, okay, I'm going to give you everything, but I, I'm not going to give you this. And, and I think anytime you see something like that, you've got to look a little, di- little deeper and think, well, maybe that's not what he meant. What truly was God saying? What was the intention of this scripture? Wouldn't he want them to eat from this tree? Wouldn't he want them to know the difference between good and evil? I think the answer comes in the meaning of the phrase good and evil. There, when you interpret Hebrew, there are different phrases that are used that are not used. Uh, you can't just pick them apart and use them separately. They're phrases that are used together that usually uh, have two extremes. And it's not talking about the two extremes, but it's talking about the two extremes together that the polarity expresses the totality of it. 
Does that make any sense? Like in Isaiah, he, he teaches about gathering is from the east and is far from the west. He's not saying that it's only going to come from the far west and the far east. He's saying this vastness, this hugeness. And so this scripture talking about the tree of knowledge is not talking about just the extremes of knowing good from bad. It's talking about the totality of everything. And he's saying, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> he is. And, and we've kind of proven that as, as mankind, haven't we? Because what happened? They took the apple, man fell, and now we see. And things that are intended for good are used for evil. There's creativity and a drive for the arts that is abused and manipulated and used for pornography. There are machines that are created to save life and prosper life that are used to take life. There are words that are designed to encourage and to build up the body of Christ and instead they're being used constantly to just tear one another down. We have proven that we are not morally capable of handling such information. Does that make sense? It's kind of like how I don't let my kids watch certain movies or get exposed to certain things. It's not because I'm withholding from them. It's not because I don't love them. It's because they can't handle it, and it's wrong for them to be around it because they can't handle it. All right, now I've got to find my place because I was just going. This was a, a good thought that, that I love. Um, God is the only one who can know all things and utilize them for good every time. Isn't that awesome? I'm so thankful for that. So here's what God is doing. God, from the very beginning, is showing us our need for a Savior. You get it? Let's just pretend for a moment God knows what he's doing. <laughs> and he's exposing a need. But man fell. The second one is fallen man, another condition of man. We were authentic man or created man or maybe even call it perfect man. And here now is fallen man or sinful man. And at this point, well, let's back up a little bit. At this point, right before this, Adam was still without sin. All right, but think about it. He was still without sin, and yet he chose to sin. How did, he had everything in the world, God said, is yours, and yet he chose to sin. What does that tell us about his nature and who he is? Here's a thought after fallen man there in your outline. If in our sinless state which he was in, we will choose evil over good, how much more will we choose evil in our sinful state? Prior to the fall, man was sinless, but still not capable, is what it's saying, of righteousness, of choosing right. This was the condition of Adam even before sin, and this is important for us to understand as we understand how deeply rooted our sin is in us as mankind. As Adam is our great, great, great granddad, <laughs> All right? The important part there is we need to understand that even prior to the fall, man was sinless, but still not capable of righteousness. We weren't capable. Some of us, well, I'm not going there. <laughs> How do we know that? Romans 3. Just look at Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. So I want to go, well, Adam blew it. How come that has to impact me? 
because I'm just as incapable of righteousness as Adam is, every one of us, if we were back there in his shoes, would have chosen that apple. You believe that? So this is our condition without Christ. In the same way that the law, your next point, shows us our sin, our condition or our depravity, okay? Our inability for righteousness, our depravity shows us our, oh, I said it, inability for righteousness. These two things, and both together, show us our need for a Savior. Romans 1, which was the setup for Romans 5 that we were looking at, it reminds us of that. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And this is important. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Right here. And of birds. And of four-footed animals. And of crawling creatures. Do you see the descent? Here's what we need to gain out of this place as fallen man, that we need to understand that we have inherited sin as our nature. We really have. I mean, from the, from the very beginning, we're, we're selfish, aren't we? From the very beginning, we want to lie and cover up. I mean, if you've had a kid, you know about this. It's just the innocent, most innocent little thing in the world, and you just can't figure out, why would you do that? It goes a lot deeper than that. But we have inherited sin as our nature and have exchanged, the Scripture said, the glory of the incorruptible. Okay, that which is incorruptible for the corrupted. And here's the result. Remember we were talking about that our, what we have in authentic man is a, a peace with God and a peace with others and a peace with creation. Well, now it is a broken relationship with God. And it is a broken relationship with others and a broken relationship with creation. I mean, instantly, uh, the sin was committed and they hid from God. They were broken. They're broken. There was not, no longer peace between them and God. They hid from Him. There was instantly this broken relationship between man and womankind. You remember the first thing Adam did? He blamed Eve. <laughs> Where'd that come from? I, I, I can't break myself of this. When I can't find something at my house, I instantly say, Jen, where'd you put this? All the wives are laughing because every man in the universe does it. I don't know why. He instantly blamed. And it began, their, 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 their boys, one of their boys killed their other son. It was broken. And then with creation, we know about that. In the book of Romans, Paul's explaining our need, okay, for redemption through Christ, truly by exposing our distance from God and what sin does. It exposes the distance and it exposes our depravity specifically under Adam. And it is important that we understand the fact that our depravity is because of who we are in Adam. We haven't even talked yet about our sin, all right? We haven't even talked about the fact that we lie every now and then and we cheat on this or that or that we you know, get angry in our heart, or we do all kinds of things. We haven't even talked about that, but we're just talking about our condition under Adam. And in Romans 5, verse 12, it was the first one that we read today. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, 
and death through sin. Death entered the world because that was the consequence. Scripture tells us that the consequence of sin is death, that we die. And in this way, death came to just a couple people when they're really bad. No, it says it comes to all men because all have sinned. You ever seen the scriptures that talk about that all of us have sinned and if we claim to be without sin, the truth is not in us? Ouch. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The thought there, transition thought, is under the headship of Adam, we are all sinners and we are all guilty and we are all condemned to death. I wanted to butter that up and say condemned to have a tough life or, you know, really bad, you know, eternity or whatever, but it's condemned to death and the fall of man brought death regardless of our personal sin. So I'm going to steal something from, from, a, from a friend. I hope this doesn't work on us. Let me do this because I want to draw a little picture because some of you guys are visual learners. No, I just want to draw. Um, okay, so I'm going to show you guys on the sides this. Can the camera just zoom in on this? Oh, uh. Uh, let's see. The crow's nest. Okay, so, th I mean, this is simple. This isn't anything profound or whatever. So here's Adam, okay? And, and what this is saying is that at, under Adam, he's, he smiles. He's a smiley guy, okay? There's Adam. And it's saying that he, under his headship, um, we are sinners. This is us here, sinners. Okay, and under Adam, we are guilty because it is our nature to sin. And under Adam, therefore, uh, we are condemned as well. And there's probably some other things that we got some problems too underneath Adam, okay? So here it is. Nice? Okay, so that's us under Adam. All right, so we're under him, and that's the problem because you can't just divorce your dad, although I think you can now, can't you? <laughs> we're going a long ways. Okay, so this is who we are. So the problem is we need a new dad. Okay, that's our problem. We need a headship without sin. And so we need a plan for redemption. And because this dude is not cool with God, God's not cool with him, is total, okay, we need to be on another team. We need something else, okay? And again, I want to say that this is our primary problem. Our primary problem is our nature is sin. And the reason that's important, I'm going to get ahead in case I forget to say it. The reason that's important is because most of us like to think that we sinned a little bit, so if we just do enough to cover those sins, we're okay. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Okay? We're, we're born into sin. The little things we do every day are just, they're secondary. They're, if they stood on their own, here's the deal. It would be enough to still, we would still need Jesus, okay? But we need to understand we're born into our nature is sin. And when you think about the solution for that, that is good news. Because we can't, I'm not going to get it that far ahead. Okay. So, all right. So here's my question. Why is this offense so big that it requires a sacrifice bigger than any of us can fulfill? It's not fair. Adam did it, not me, right? It's not, it's not fair. Well, here's, here's the thought. So if you lied to a little kid, okay, I do it all the time. If you lie, I'm just kidding. If you lie to a little kid and they bust you on that lie, as an adult, 
you could go, no, I didn't. You're crazy. You, our little kid, don't know what you're talking about, right? And even if, like, no, no, no here's the evidence, like, whatever, Doesn't, not a big deal. You lie to your best friend, all right, and they bust you. Okay, that has some impl- implications relationally. It hurts your relationship. Maybe it hurts your reputation. There's something emotional going on there. Now, let's say you lie to your boss, and you get busted, Man, the, the, it's, it's getting up there a little bit higher now, isn't it? I mean, maybe that next promotion didn't go into you, or maybe worse, you get fired, or whatever. There's some big consequences that happen with doing that. Now let's say you're in court, and you lie to the judge. Well, now it's against the law, and you can go to jail for it. What we're talking about there, it's the same little thing. It's still a little lie. But the offense is not measured on how big the sin is. The offense is measured on the authority that you've broken. Does that make sense? And so if we just have one thing that we have gone against God, and God is an infinite God, what can we do to make peace with that? Now imagine there was a guy named Adam and Eve who they blew it that many years ago, and over the years we have all this sin under his headship, years and years and years. Imagine just taking the sins from us just today and adding them up to an, against an infinite God. Now imagine that all of our lives and added them up. Now all of history and all the church and everywhere. Now imagine the greatness, the how huge that offense is against an infinite God. How could we ever pay that back? We simply can't. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. Is that good news? All right. Romans 5.17 For if by the transgression of one which is Adam. I'm not making this up. It came through Adam. Through the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. There's a typo in your notes here. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ? So then as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, Jesus, many will be made righteous. So here's the point. Through Adam, we were condemned. Through Jesus, we are blessed with every blessing. We're declared holy. We're declared blameless and are offered redemption and forgiveness. How do we know that? Ephesians 1, let me read part of this. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sang that. Blessed be your name. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, not our will or ability, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have, the last two thoughts, redemption from his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which, we, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. So what it's saying is, is now, I can't blot, draw it in black. <laughs> I'll draw it in red. So now we have Jesus over here. 
And the Bible's saying, just as sin came through one guy, okay, now there's a new guy that can take it away. The problem is, we're over here, right? We're under the headship of Adam. How do we get to here where it said, what were the things in the last point? What are the things that we get? Every blessing? What else? We're holy. Huh? Grace, redemption, blameless, and a whole lot more. Right? How do we get over here? Well, verse 5 just told us. Verse 5 said, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. He, adopted, he, he adopts us through Christ. He adopts us. We got a new dad. We have a new headship through Christ. According to the kind intention of his will. Oh, amazing grace. Point, God has adopted us as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself because Jesus is the only one of sufficient worth to pay an infinite debt. The difference between evangelical Christianity and every religion of the world is what you do with Jesus. He is the only one that is worthy to fill an infinite debt. So that is every difference in the world. John 1.11, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you have Romans 5 in your scripture? Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, I like that. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, we were depraved, we were incapable, we were unrighteous, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can be reconciled with God, not because of our ability to do good, because we cannot do enough good to cover an infinite debt. Through Christ alone, we're reconciled. Therefore, Romans 5.1, it's the very first scripture from this whole passage. It's what, it's what Paul started with when he wrote this letter to the Romans. It said, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God reconciled back with God reconciled man this word peace if you were to look it up it means to set at one again peace ah if we just knew that we're just there's nothing between us and our God we could just really trust in that and believe that and I think if we we would realize that um we were so far it had nothing to do with our ability to come to church three out of four Sundays or tithe or, you know, help the little old lady across the street. It didn't help us to be reconciled. We were made at peace with God because of his 
son. I think we would understand that we have been forgiven much. An infinite debt. So we are set at one. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That is the good news. Let's pray.